the 15th chapter of Hilchas Tain Venitim, the laws of a plaintiff and defendant regarding financial disputes. In this perek, which contains 11 halachas, the Rambam will discuss various disputes over the ownership of a parcel of land. Perek Hamisha Asr, the 15th chapter, Halacha Aleph. Over the past few parakim, the Rambam has been discussing the various possibilities regarding ownership of land. That in general, if we have no clear proof, such as a document or witnesses, as to who owns the land, we look to see if there is a chazaka, that someone has constantly been utilizing the field and consuming the fruit and gaining the profits in the case of renting a house and so on, which is also considered land, should he have the shnei chazaka three years continuously when he has been utilizing this land, should there be no other proofs that it is assumed that it is his land? And he, he takes a rabbinic oath that, it, that he bought the land or that it was given to him, and then he is able to hold on to it, even though the plaintiff might have proof that the once belonged to him. Nevertheless, since the present inhabitant still has the three years of chazaka, he is believed. In this first halacha, the Rambam will speak about the substitute for these for witnesses that he has a chazaka that he has been there for three years. Misha irer al sadezu a plaintiff who complains and enters a claim against this field that it is his, and he brings witnesses that it once belonged to him. Now the question is, the one that is presently on the field must bring a proof that it is his. He has two possibilities. He can bring witnesses that he has been there for three years, Ede Chazaka, in which case he will have to take a rabbinic oath, as the Rambam said previously. However, he can also produce a document, a shtar, and in this case, he will have to verify the shtar. So what happens to the person that's in the field? He, he provides a document showing that he bought the field. And he also provides witnesses that he was there for three years. Since he has both of them, first we tell him, validate your document, which is, is done by taking the document to court. And then the court gets other witnesses to testify to the, uh, to the signature of the ones who have signed the original document. And if they verify that this is the signature of those particular people, the Bezdin validates the document, and then it is fully valid. So, in this guy, if the document can be validated, we can find people that recognize their signatures, or we can find the original witnesses to testify as to their own signatures. Everything is fine, and we judge based on this document. And therefore, no one has to take a note. And the one presently there keeps it. But if it should be impossible to validate this document, we rely exclusively on the witnesses that he was there for three years. And therefore, he must take a rabbinic oath, swear that he bought this field from the original owner, as in any other case of relying on years of chazaka. Allah base. In this Allah, the Ramam will speak about a dispute among the witnesses as to whether he has a chazaka or not. We have two witnesses as to his uh, utilization of the field for three years. One of them testifies that those three years he was harvesting wheat. The second one contradicts the first and testifies that he was utilizing barley. Even though there are 
contradicting each other in their testimony, a dusam kayemis. Their testimony is still valid. Shane ha eidmedaktik pozeh, because a witness is not usually so careful about what exactly was being consumed. He only wants to know that it was that there was something being consumed, and the fact that they contradict each other as to what sort of grain it was is not considered to ruin the quality of their testimony. However, if they disagree as to which years he was there, this is considered to destroy the testimony. If one of the witnesses testifies that he was there the first, third, and fifth year, the other witness says he was there for years two, four, and six, we cannot join these two witnesses together. The year that one of them is testifying, the other one is not testifying. There are not two witnesses on any single year that he was in that field. And therefore, they are not considered valid witnesses as far as Chazak is concerned. And therefore, he must return the land itself and any of the, the fruit meaning the produce, which uh, profit, which he gained from the field, he must return it all to the original owner. Incidentally, this, that the Raman picked a case of six years, is apparently referring to what we learned previously in Perakid Beis about a field, which is usually planted one year and then laid, fa- laid fallow the second year. In this case, being there years one, three, and five would already be considered to be chazaka, although a field which is normally planted consecutively every single year would not be considered a chazaka. Evidently, the Rambam is speaking here about a case in which the, the, the custom in, in this area was to let the field lie fallow every other year. Therefore, if both witnesses would testify as to one, three, and five, it would be considered a valid testimony. Halacha Gimel. Someone that took possession of a field, assuming that he was the heir of a person that died and owned this, owned this field, and therefore he was in the field and consumed the produce of the field. And later on we find there is another heir who was more closely related than him, and therefore he should have really been the one to inherit the field. So, whether this other relative was found through witnesses, or whether the one that went there first himself admitted that he went there first, he nevertheless must return all of the produce which he consumed. Since from the time the person died, everything which the field produced really belonged to this other relative who was only found later on. In this halacha we will have a case where we are unable to establish properly through proofs who owns the field. And we will rely, this is one of the cases that the Talmud relies on the on ruling called Alim Gvar, that they fight it out so to speak, that whoever is stronger can gain possession. Two people who are disagreeing regarding ownership of a field. Each one is saying it's his field. Either, and the Rambam will now list a few cases, either neither one has a proof, or both of them can bring witnesses that it's his, or both of them bring witnesses that it belongs to their father. 
Or each one of the two brings a set of witnesses that he was there for three years. And the years that the first set of witnesses are testifying for the first person are the same years that the second set of witnesses is testifying for the second person. Should they be testifying as to different times, then obviously the one who has the later years of Chazaka would be believed, because it would be assumed he bought it from the first one. But here they are both testifying as to the same years. The common bond between all of these cases is that there is no difference between the claim of one and the claim of the other. They are absolutely equally weighted. In this case, we leave it to both of them, and whoever can overpower the other takes possession of the field. And should there be a later, if, should the one who lost out uh, later want to take it away, he must bring a proof. Since we have no valid proof here, we leave whichever one overpowers the other to take the field. However, this does not mean the court says that there's absolutely no proof over here, and we'll just let anybody take it. Why? Should a third person overpower both of them and take control of the field? A third person who originally didn't have any claim to the field at all. Him we take away from the field. It's not totally declared ownerless that anybody can grab the field, that among these two who have equal claim to the field, we allow either one of them to try to overpower the other and take control. In this halacha, the Rambam will bring us eventually to another case of Kol Dalim Gvad, that either of the two parties has the ability to overpower the other. One of the two parties in the dispute has three things going for him. First of all, he has witnesses that this field belonged to his father, his forefathers. Secondly, they testify that he has also been using the field for the years of Chazaka, for three years. And thirdly, is also in his possession, he is presently utilizing the field. The one opposing him has two things going for him. The second one also has witnesses that he has been using the field for three years, and it is also in his possession. The only difference between the first and the second is that the first one also, his witnesses testify that it belonged to his father. So, it turns out that the testimony regarding their chazaka is contradicted one and the other. Because there's one set of witnesses that he's been using it for three years. The other one says that he's been using it for three years. Therefore, it's the case of Akhasha, two witnesses who contradict each other, and they are both thrown out of court. So, what's left? Therefore, we put the field in the possession of the one whose witnesses also testified that it belonged to his forefathers. Because since the other testimony is null and void, we are only left with this, test, uh, this unopposed testimony that it belonged to his father. And then he goes into the field that is granted to him. Let's say, however, the second one comes back to court and brings witnesses that belong to his father. In other words, he finds witnesses that contradict even this set of witnesses of the first person. So, so these set of witnesses, this testimony is also contradicted. So they are also thrown out. So what is done? The Bezdin goes back and takes away right to the property from the first person that they previously granted to. 
for calling this Gabriel both. And they grant it to both of them simultaneously, and we are left with the same principle called Alim Kvar. Whoever can overpower the other one will have the right to the field. It is left to both of them to fight it out, so to speak, to gain possession of the field. The Gemara says, that the Chiddush of this din, that the Bezdin takes away the first one after they first gave it to him, is as Ravashi says that we don't worry about the shame of the Bezdin, that it's going to look bad for them that they first granted it to the first person, and then they tell him to leave and let them both battle it out. The Ravashi says we don't worry for this, and nevertheless, uh, take the first one off the field. Halachavav. Both of them claim, without testimony yet, that it is their fathers. Then Claimant number one brings testimony that it belonged to his forefathers. And the second one brings testimony that he has been there for three years. What do we do in this case? Each one has two things going for him. The first one, he has his claim that it belongs to his father's and he has testimony to back it up. The second one claims that it's his father's and his, te- his witnesses claim something else, that he's been there for three years. To solve this problem, we have to review a principle we learned in the previous pedic, that in order for the chazaka to help, you must also have a taina. You must have a valid claim about why you were in this field. Just to say that you walked in and have been using it for three years is insufficient to grant you this field. You must have a taina. So what's going to happen in this case? We return the field to the one who's, who brought testimony that it belonged to his forefathers, and we also return all of the fruits which have been consumed. Why? The second person doesn't have any taina over here. He doesn't have a valid claim. And the fact that he has been using the field for three years and consuming the produce is not a proof that it belongs to him. Because any chazaka that the person has been using it for three years and he does not have an explanation for why he has done so, he has no taina. We don't look at this chazaka. Over here he has claimed that it belonged to his fathers. That was his taina. However, over here his taina is not this disappeared, since there are witnesses that say it belongs to the father of the first person. The second person no longer has a valid taina. We don't look at his claim anymore, it belonged to his father, since we have testimony which is contradicting his claim. His claim is now dissolved, and therefore he has a chazaka with no claim, which we do not listen to. Therefore the field is given over to the first person. How even, however, even after this, the second person can still resurrect a new taina, by explaining his previous one. Chazer zehamachzik the one who is presently holding on to the field, meaning the second one, who has witnesses that he has been there for three years. That's true that it does belo- did belong to your fathers. I'm not disputing that. But you sold it to me. It's true it belonged to you from your forefathers, but you sold it to me. I, how could he claim that it belongs to his fathers? His original claim was that it belonged to his fathers. So we already have witnesses of long to the father of person number one, and now person number two, who originally claimed it was his father that had the field, says, yeah, I admit to you that it's your father's. It looks like he's Hochza Kafran, as we learned previously in Perek Vav, that once somebody is contradicted by testimony, that he cannot claim, uh, change his claim, because he is already confirmed to be a liar, having been contradicted by testimony. However, he is able to give an amatzla, if he can give an explanation, 
for why he said what he did, then we will listen to his new taina. And this is exactly what he does. He explains what he meant. This that I said originally that was my father's, and now I'm saying that, no, it was your father's, but I bought it from you. What did I mean to say it was my father's? I meant to say, that I rely on this land as if it's mine, and it's mine just like I inherited from my father's. In other words, he was using this as an expression, not literally it belonged to his father, but that, that he has full possession of it as if it belonged to his father. Or he gives another explanation. What I meant to say that it belonged to my father's, I'm not saying it didn't belong to yours, it did belong to yours. But my father bought it from your father. So your witnesses are right, that your father had it, but I was also, I'm also right because, because my father bought it from your father. This is a proper claim since he gives an excuse, an explanation for his first words why he said it belonged to him. And since now he is Muxa, we have an explanation for all of the claims and all of the testimony, the field is given to him. Because we can explain these witnesses that they say it belongs to the father of person number one. And we can also make sense out of his witnesses who say that he has the Chazak has been there for three years. However, if he said explicitly at the beginning that it belonged to my fathers and not your fathers, we will not listen to him later on with another, with any of these amas lois, any of these excuses he gives later on. He cannot say when I said it was my fathers, I didn't mean it literally. Since he said my fathers and not yours, it's clear that he meant in that first claim that it was literally belonged to his father, not anyone else's. Therefore, after witnesses come and contradict this claim, he cannot change it to any of these we've mentioned. But King Kolkayetze was as so too, any similar cases. Halacha Zion. In this halacha, the Ramu will give another example of one of the one of the parties in the dispute explaining a statement which he made previously. Specifically the phrase Shnei Chazaka, literally the years of Chazaka. Does it mean literally three years and because these are the minimum number of years for Chazaka? Or does Shnei Chazaka mean even more? Shnei Chazaka means at least a number of years to indicate a, a Chazaka. And it could be even more. To clarify this din, we will have three parties, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven and Shimon are the ones having the dispute, each one claiming that they bought the field from the previous owner, Levi. Levi sold it to someone, and we are not sure whether he sold it to Reuven first or Shimon first. Reuven, Reuven is presently in the field. He is presently in, in ownership. Along comes Shimon and enters a claim against him for uh, saying that it was real, it really belongs to him. But Omar Ruben, Ruben answers, "How did I get this field?" So the Zumi Levi can see her. I bought this field from the original owner Levi, and I have already been using it for the years of Chazaka, which we have been translating Shnei Chazaka normally three years, but literally it means the years of a Chazaka. Omar Shimon, you have it for Shnei Chazaka. I have it within my hands, a validated document. That this document states that I bought this field from Levi four years ago today. So therefore, Shimon Shtar says that he bought it four years ago. If we interpret Ruvain's statement at face value. Shnei Chazaka has three years, that means Reuven bought it later than Shimon. The Levi sold it first to Shimon, and then he sold it later on to Reuven. That means the field really belongs to Shimon. 
Hadar Ruben Baomer Bikitale al Daitacha, Shashal Shonim Bilvad Yeshli Mishakanisiha. And Ruben answers and tells him, Do you really think that I'm only here for three years? It's only three years since I bought it. Shonim Rabbis Yeshli Mishakhtiha. It's already been many years since the time I bought it, and I bought it before you did. We listened to Ruben Taina, and even though he said that, he's, that he bought it and has had only Shnei Chazaka, which we think means three years, how then can he claim that he has been there for longer than Shimon, and Shimon has been there for four? Because the manner of a person is to call even many years the years of Chazaka. This phrase is used in normal conversation to mean even more than seven. In the Gemara, the Rajbam explains that if the manner in that place, the Shnei Chazaka, is used to mean exclusively three, then this law would be altered. It all depends on the local usage. But now that we know that Reuben can claim previous ownership of the field, and he will be believed since he is presently in possession, if Reuben can bring witnesses that he has already been utilizing the, uh, the field and getting profits from it for seven years, which it turns out then that he has already had three years of a chazaka before Shimon bought the field. Because Shimon has a document saying he bought it four years ago. If Reuben thinks witnesses he bought it seven years ago, that means that from seven to four is three years, and before the field was sold by Levi to Shimon, Reuben has already had it for three years. So Mamidian Isa Biyadi, since he has already the years of chazaka before Shimon bought it, the field is given to Reuben. If, however, Reuben's witnesses declare that he has only been utilizing the field for less than seven years, in this case, the field goes to Shimon. Why? There is no statement of protest greater than this that one sells the field before Reuben was able to get a chazaka. The entire principle of three years, we have learned in, pre- in previous prokim, that if, so, if someone owns a field, he would not allow three years to pass by before entering a machah, a statement of protest, that the field really belongs to him and this person is squatting in his field illegally. Once he makes that statement, he does not lose his right to the field, but he must make that statement within three years. Now, let's say Reuben was sitting on the field illegally and the field belongs to Levi. If Levi comes before the three years expires and makes a machah, that means that Reuben has no right to the field because the machah was made. If Reuben cannot prove that it was sold to him by producing a document or witnesses, then he will have to leave the field. Over here, even more than a machah was made. Not only there was a machah made, but he sold the field to Shimon. And selling it, there's no greater machah than that. You are clearly demonstrating that Reuben does not own the field, that Levi owns the field. And Levi is selling it to Shimon, not to Reuben. Therefore, if Reuben's witnesses say he's had it for less than seven years, then Reuben is removed, removed from the field, and it is given to Shimon. Allah HaChaz. Party number one says that this belonged to my forefathers, and he brings witnesses to that effect. And therefore, he has proof that he validly inherited it. And the second party claims that it was his forefathers, but he has no witnesses to substantiate this. We would give it to the person who has the witnesses. And furthermore, the second party must give all of the fruits, all of the produce and profits, which came from this land that he admitted that he consumed. Even if there are no witnesses against him that he consumed this, since he admitted he must pay. 
And in this case, we apparently wouldn't believe him even if he had a chazakah. His claim was that he was eating from this field. He was consuming the produce because of his forefathers, because he inherited from them. And, but now he no longer has a tain. Testimony regarding that it belonged to somebody's ancestors belongs to the claimant number one, the plaintiff. So therefore, his tain is no longer a tain. As, as we explained in Allah Chavav and in yesterday's paddock, that a chazaka, even a chazaka without a taina is worthless. Over here, his taina is dropped away. He claims it belonged to his forefathers, and we have witnesses that are contradicting him. His taina falls away completely over here. We wouldn't believe him even with a migwe now, because he has no valid taina. The king called is so too any similar case. The plaintiff comes along and brings witnesses that the field belongs to him. And there, the second person is now in the possession of the field. Possession The one who is now presently in the field claims that it's true, you had it, but I bought it from you. And this is my document. And he produces a document which is verified. It has been validated in court that the witnesses have verified that this is their signature. Therefore, it's 100% a valid document. However, if this is all we had, we would certainly go by the shtar. We would go by this document. However, over here, another twist runs in. The plaintiff claims that the document is forged. Now, normally, if someone claims a doc, uh, document which has already been validated is forged, we do not listen to this claim. This is why we validated the document. We had the witnesses look at it, or we had other people look at the signature of these witnesses and validate it, and therefore we know that it is a true document, that it has not been forged. However, over here, the one that is holding this document, the second person admits that it's forged. The truth is that it is forged. Why am I producing a forged document here in court? I did have a valid document, but I lost it. And I took this shtar, I had it forged, in order to frighten you that you should admit to me in court that you sold it to me, which is the truth. In other words, the truth is that you sold it to me. I, this document is forged. So I, I had a document, but I have lost it. And I knew that without a document, I would not be able to get it back over here. This is a classical case of a migoy. That if you don't believe me now, I could have said a better taina and gotten away with it. Over here, we should believe him with his claim that, that he had a valid shtar and lost it. Because if you don't believe it, he could have said even a better lie. He could stand with the shtar and say that it's valid. It has already been validated. It's already a makuyim. He can hold it. Therefore, he has a migoy. Or as Aksavya Taman has it, Eimet Bishtare. If he wanted to, he could stand by his document. He could hold on to his document. It's already validated. No claim that it's been forged is going to affect the validity of his document. So since he could have claimed that and gotten away with it, he is believed now with his other claim that he had a valid start and lost it, but that he really bought it and it belongs to him. And therefore, we do not take the field away from him. He is allowed to remain there. However, he must take a rabbinic oath to substantiate the claim that he has made. In Allah test, we spoke about a case that the one is presently holding the field. The defendant has a shtar makuyim, a validated document. In Allah Yud, we will see a case in which the one holding the field does not have a document, but he has witnesses that he has been in the field for more than three years. 
Along comes a plaintiff with witnesses that the field once belonged to him. The one who was in the field presently, however, says, I bought this field from you, and I've already consumed the produce of the field, taken the profits for the years of a chazaka for at least three years. And he provides witnesses that he has been using the field for three years. And now a counterclaim comes from the defend, from the plaintiff. The plaintiff says, how can you make such a claim that you bought this field from me three years ago, more than three years ago? For this entire time, for the last three years, I have never been in this land. I was never here. How could you have bought it from me? In this case, the one who is presently in the field must prove that the plaintiff was with him in the same place at, during this time period that he claims it was, it was sold, and even for one day, even if he was there during that time period, for even one day, that it should be possible that he sold it to him in this period. If we can prove that, then we will rely on his chazaka that he's been there for three years, since we see that, that in that, that three years ago, the plaintiff was in that land, at least for one day. Therefore, his claim is plausible. However, if he is unable to provide such witnesses, we take him away from the field and give it to the original owner. The commentaries, including the Rishanim, ask that isn't it possible that although the plaintiff was not in the land at that time period, he could have sold it through a shliach, he could have made an emissary. The, the commentaries explain in the Rambam, however, that although this is a possibility, the possibility is remote. People usually sell things themselves, evidently. And therefore, the Rambam does not worry for it, and should the defendant be unable to bring a proof that they were together in the same place, then he will lose his right to the field. And now the final halacha of the Perak halacha Yer Aleph. A person went away to a foreign country overseas and he lost the path how to get to his field. The way was normally in those days that the fields were one next to another and there was one road and not every field had access to the road. Therefore, when one had a field which was on the inner side, away from the road, he also had a little pathway in order that he should have access to the road to, uh, from the road to his field. And obviously, this had to go through someone else's field. He went away, and when he came back, the path has disappeared. It's overgrown, and he no longer knows where the path is. And he's going to have to take away from somebody's field to get a new path. So what do we do in this case? Regardless about whether the four fields which are surrounding his originally belonged to four people, or regardless of whether the four people that are presently in the field surrounding his bought it from one. In other words, originally one person owned the fields on all four sides, and now four different people purchased each of the four fields. Each, each one of the four is able to push, push him away, literally, and tell him, maybe your pathway is not my next door neighbor's field. Maybe it's not mine. So he's not going to have the right to take from any single one of them. Because each one can say, go to my next door neighbor, it's not mine. And therefore, he has the choice. Not much of a choice, but he has the choice either of 
buying a road for a hundred mana, which uh, a phrase used to indicate whatever they ask for, he's going to have to pay. If he wants, he can fly in the air. In other words, he's going to have to pay whatever price they have. They, they choose to give him because he has no right intrinsically if he has lost his path. And so too, if four people originally owned these four fields, now one person has purchased all of these four fields. And evidently there is some way of access aside from these four fields. Also he has no right to ask this one person for, the, for a pathway. Because the one person will tell him like this. Now, if I gave back each one of these four people that I purchased from their documents and gave them back the field, you would be unable to pass through any of the four fields because each one could push you to the other. I now I'm in charge of all of these four fields and I can't push you to one another. But the, since originally they had that right, and when I bought these fields from each one of them, I also bought any merit that they might have to this field, including the ability to push you away should you come and demand the derech or demand the path to your field. I bought everything together with the field and therefore you have no right to come in. If, however, the person that owns these four fields is, is surrounding him is all one person and he has the boundaries from beginning to end on all sides. In other words, not just four different corners, which would indicate that there, on each one of the four corners exactly, there could be another, uh, another diagonal entrance in each one of the corners. If we have one field on the north, one on the, one on the south, one on the east, one on the west, there's still the northeast corner, the northwest corner, and he could go to one of those fields, for example. But let's say he surrounded everything, including the corners. He has the entire field surrounded. In such a case, this person can say, No matter what, my path is somewhere in your, in your field. Because somewhere over here I had a pathway. So therefore, therefore, he has the right to go on the shortest path wherever the one that owns the surrounding fields wishes. He can give him the shortest one, but nevertheless, he must give him some pathway. The and so too any similar cases. And so too, if he should find one place and say that this is my pathway, saying he recognizes it, we cannot take him away from this path. We assume it belongs to him unless we have a clear proof that it does not belong to him and this was not his path.